for Pierce. They have that door to Green. Four. Ah, they used it as a screen. Paul Pierce was there, and he screened it. And that's how you were able to get the open shot on the inside. Knocked away by Wilcox. Here comes Boston on the run. Here's Crawford on the drive. Scores it. Again, that Boston quickness running the floor. Terry with the miss. But there's Bradley making jumpers, playing defense, and now offensive rebounding. Avery Bradley is a defender, but you're not expecting him to score 22 points, I'm sure. No, not at all. But, uh, you know, that's what he's been doing for this team. He's spotting up, making the open shots. He's running their team. He's playing great. It's the Celtics beat with Ty Ray. Hi, everybody. Happy Sunday. Ty Ray with you along with Stats Adam, our lucky numbers guy on the Celtics beat. Didn't know if I was going to make it today. I went to IKEA yesterday and survived. You ever notice how IKEA is like a casino? It's like endless walking, no clocks on the wall, or if there are clocks, they're for sale, and the time isn't correct anyway. Next thing you know, three hours later, your feet are worn out, your wallet's worn out. Didn't know if I was going to make it today. I'm here. I survived IKEA, and we're here to talk some Celtics basketball, actually with a focus on the draft and the NBA Finals. The Heat trailing the Spurs one game to none, and we have a scheduled guest coming up hopefully in about 15 minutes. Johnny Renshaw from WQAM 560 in Miami is hopefully going to join us and talk about the Heat. Dwayne Wade not having fun. It is a miserable experience so far for Dwayne Wade uh, and the Heat in the NBA Finals down one game to none, losing game one to the Spurs. We'll talk about that, like I said, NBA draft some selections for the Celtics that they might be pondering. We'll discuss that. But let me bring in my co-host, Stats Adam, Adam Lowenstein. Thank you for joining us today, my friend. I'm glad you survived yesterday because I, you know, I haven't been to an Ikea, I don't think, ever. I think Costco is my equivalent. <laughs> I, I can tell you I haven't been there in years. It's, it's one of those weird, endless you know, ventures whenever you walk in. But uh, I'm glad you're here today, and we can definitely talk some, some Celtics and you know, hopefully we can talk about how the Heat will be going down in these finals, but still definitely have their heads up high even after that game one loss. Ikea is like an endless maze, Adam. I'm sure people are really thrilled for us to be talking Swedish furniture, but it's a it's an absolute maze, and it goes on for days and days and days, and the next thing you know, three hours later, you're finally uh, at the checkout line. And it really is like a casino because there are a lot of people from various countries there speaking foreign languages. It's just a nutty experience. My feet are killing me, but I'm here and I made it and we're talking NBA finals your impressions my friend of game one I really thought that the Spurs were just doing the rope-a-dope and waited to the final round to knock the heat out in that game one well they even did the rope-a-dope with Tony Parker on that last play as well or their last offensive play where he was able to evade LeBron James for that circus shot which many are calling many different names but maybe we can even call it the rope-a-dope shot because of how the Spurs were able to win that game one and San Antonio is, is just the model franchise, and they've done it for the last decade, decade and a half since they got lucky that David Robinson was able to get injured and they were able to get Tim Duncan in the draft. And since then, they have been a powerhouse. And with Popovich and Duncan at the helm, you saw what they did with more than a week of rest and were able to stay in a game that they might have not been able to stay in if they didn't have that time off because they have Tony Parker who can keep the ball from those open court turnovers and that's really where you're able to stay close with the, the Miami Heat and have the offense to compete with Miami. He's so impressive. I'm talking about Tony Parker. Always seems like he's in complete control, plays with him in, in himself, makes his players around him better. Why don't you think he gets more pub, Adam? I, I've been pondering that question for, for days now. Well, the silver and black in San Antonio has never, never gotten any pub that the Eastern Coast the East Coast teams do that Kobe Bryant does. They just are boring, and that's what people have seen for many years, and that's really the problem. They People don't understand that they're playing basketball better than almost any other team in the NBA, but for some reason, since they're doing it so fundamentally and doing it so well consistently, it just isn't as exciting as Dunk City. I think that's really where it comes in. Tony Parker is pretty much your best point guard in the league, arguably a top three point guard, maybe even your best one. He's showing it now at the later stage of his career. And I think that's really the reason. You know, you really don't see too many guys like him, but he does it so consistently that you're expecting it. And for some reason, that doesn't get the flashiness that Chris Paul gets. I think 
during game one, he was by far, Tony Parker, the best player on the floor. He set the tone for everything. And when he took over, it was at crunch time. It wasn't LeBron James. And I'm starting to wonder, I, I hate to do the overreactions to game one. Everybody does that, you know, with every sport, you know, be it the, the World Series, the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs, or the NBA Finals, NBA playoffs, game one winner. Oh, my goodness, they're destined to win the series. And that's not always the case. But I thought clearly he is the most important player or was the most important player on the floor in game number one. And if he sets the pace, I think the Heat are in trouble. And, you know, bring in if we want to talk about how the Celtics compared to this Heat team or even how the Celtics were able to compare to the Knicks, the reason why the Knicks were able to beat the Celtics early in the playoffs was because of their point guard advantage. They were able to dominate. Raymond Felton was able to dominate Avery Bradley. And since the Miami Heat really don't have a point guard, they even play at the end of the game without a point guard, deciding to sit Mario Chalmers, deciding to play with their scorers and having their shooters out there. Tony Parker is the best point guard, maybe arguably the best player, with the exceptional LeBron James, in this series because he has the advantage at that point guard position, and he is so dynamic. You're able to see all this point guard play, and of course we'll talk about the draft later in college in the the NCAA tournament. Guard play is so important. NBA Finals definitely is. Oh, by the way, while we were talking playoffs, and I failed to mention this in the open, and I think that's important for all Boston sports fans, congrats to the Bruins, and we'll yeah. get back to the NBA Finals in a moment. Congrats to the Bruins. 4-0 sweep of Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Pen- Penguins. I'm not a hockey aficionado, even though I covered the Avalanche for five years uh, during the course of my career. I've been away from it for a while. But what an impressive run by the Bruins, and I know there are other talk shows that cover it, but I think it's important for us to at least acknowledge the accomplishment that the Bruins have pulled off getting to the Stanley Cup Finals, which opens on Wednesday against Chicago. Amazing series against the Pens. Absolutely. I was actually there at at TD Garden for Game 4 against the Pittsburgh Penguins with my family, and it was just a great sight to have that, that just crazy game when you have no goal scored heading into that third period and the Bruins are able to to get one in there Adam Adam McQuaid after coming back from that huge hit Matt Cook put on him in game one of course we want to make this into a huge hockey show but it was really a great full circle for that series where he was able to come back and get that goal for them and bring them to the victory the sweep of the Pittsburgh Penguins really the equivalent of the Celtics sweeping the Miami Heat maybe in these playoffs I I think it would almost rise up and, and have a similar comparison in that situation. And the Bruins gaining in popularity. The Celtics, while we love our Celtics, don't get me wrong, the Celtics are nowhere near, I don't think right now, in popularity, the Bruins or even the Red Sox. The first place Red Sox. Who knew? (laughs) This has been a great year for Boston sports. It really has. I know the Celtics struggled, but the great thing about the Celtics, there's always so many storylines to talk about. So even though they don't advance in the playoffs, there's still plenty of material out there to discuss, which we'll get to uh, later in the show. But I just thought it was important that we give our props here to the Bruins, who were on the brink of elimination against the Maple Leafs. And we forget what an amazing comeback that was, how, how, how that's been forgotten, I think, in this run, considering what they just did against the Pens. It was the best comeback in in arguably in a game ever. In basically three goals down with 10 minutes to go in a game, that's... I can't. You can't even put that into a basketball sense. Maybe the Celtics doing that third quarter comeback to the Lakers in Game Four, of the finals. Right. Maybe that stage and being able to do that. You know, the James Posey three, Ray Allen taking it to the hoop. You really don't have that many comparisons in Boston sports, let alone all sports, where you can talk about three goals down four one to a team that you're in the playoffs. You're playing against a a solid team, but the Maple Leafs have had so much history. It's like the Red Sox there with with just the demons just coming (laughs) back and just hurting them again. There's a lot of factors at work there, and the the Red Sox fans know all about that. Sometimes sometimes there are other powers at work keeping you from your destiny, and perhaps that's what happened to the Maple Leafs against the Bruins in that playoff series. But getting back to the NBA – Uh, Plenty of time to talk hockey on the network, but I wanted to make sure we gave the Bruins their due on this show. What has happened to Chris Bosh, Adam? He's suddenly gone from being a key part of the big three to, I think, a player, if he continues at this place, he'll be amnestied, and I mean that. Well, he's, you know, he has the option to opt out, just like Wade and LeBron do after next season, after the 2014 playoffs, most likely the They'll be playing in the 2014 playoffs. They'll have the opportunity to opt out before that season. They all have player options. And 
I'm 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 on the the idea that they might all opt out, or or Wade will remain with his contract, and Bosch and LeBron will see what they want to do because Bosch is just not. He's injured. Maybe that's maybe that's the first thing we should go into first. He he is hurt. He has been dealing with leg problems this entire playoffs. He had the abdomen strain. I think it was last year that right. forced him out and and out and in of the playoffs where he was able to come back and the, the Heat were lucky he was in Game Seven because the Celtics might have won if Bosch wasn't in that Game Seven against the Celtics. But he has been the third wheel. And and Wade is not as good of a second wheel anymore. He is not as good as as that Robin to LeBron's Batman, and that's really where it's showing because everybody is a step down. And this Heat team, arguably their best team in three years, as the big three, they have their best surrounding core, but they don't have the second best player. Scottie Pippen is no longer with LeBron James. It's like as if I think Horace Grant is having to be the second person. You know, it's it's a step down, and that's really the problem. I just see him so lost out there, and he's such – a lot of people call Bosch soft, and, and maybe at times he is. I'll take him. I, I think he's got some real skills that he can give a basketball team, and I, I've just never seen somebody – well, maybe Jeff Green. Somebody with that kind of ability just vanish, be such a non-factor, somebody so critical to a core unit of a team like Chris Bosch is, and I think he better step up, and I'm probably not alone in saying this, or they're going to lose the series. The Heat are just flat out going to lose the series. They need to get something from him, Adam. Right now, they're not getting anything. And I thought maybe playing the Spurs, the matchup change, and the fact that the Spurs aren't as big as the Pacers would really help Bosch out, and that wasn't the case in game one. He's shooting from three-point range. What is he doing? Well, coming into that game, he had shot better than 50% at most areas on the floor as far as three-pointers go in the playoffs. He had been shooting very well, small sample size, of course, where he was terrible during the regular season and had a a vast improvement over the first three rounds and had a great shooting performance in those three rounds against, you know, lesser competition. But, of course, the Pacers pushed them to seven, and Bosch was still able to be solid shooting. He just isn't the guy. He's not the number one option, and I don't think he would be able to be the number one option on another team. This might be the best spot for him, but he's being he's being blamed because the rest of the team just isn't that good. And I think that there's – you can't – I think the expectations might be too high for him. I, I That's can't, really what it is. I, I'm really hoping we have John Renshaw on today from WQAM in Miami to get his perspective, perspective on this because I'm curious – if the fans down there are really affixing the blame on him. But I think it's the window closing on the Heat after this year. I, I said this, it's interesting stats, I said this in the offseason, everybody talked about the Celtics getting old. I got so sick of hearing that. It's like, who cares as long as they're successful? Don't care how old anybody is as long as they're successful. And I started looking at the Heat roster in the offseason and looking at guys like Shane Battier and Ray Allen. I'm going to throw Rashard Lewis in there just because and Bosch and Wade, and you can really see the window closing quickly after this season. They may have another run in them this year, uh, next year. I, I do think they're still going to win this series. I really believe that. But I don't think we're talking N5 and 6 and 7 championships like LeBron was spouting out when they were announced as the big three. No matter what happens this year or next, I'm still thinking he, LeBron will not be in Miami. I know that seems to be... An interesting opinion because when it comes to it, the salary cap is getting more stringent every year now. It's not even at at its worst right now, and they're still pushed against it. And with the same contracts really building up in Miami, these three guys, teams are no longer going to be able to do this because instead of being forced, I think it's a a dollar against the cap being over. I think now it's four and a half dollars when they end up having to make the decision on LeBron, Bosch, and Wade in two years. When they're making those decisions, it's going to be more than four times worse for the team against the cap. And I think that's the reason why, most likely, they won't even be able to help. They'll actually be a worse team by then. And, of course, Wade is on his last legs. He, the only reason why he's able to come out of the, the phone booth a, you know, a few times, and I think that was in Game 7 against Indiana, was because he has a guy in LeBron who can take all of the burden and take all of the possessions, and Wade can come alive when he needs to, and Bosch needs to continue to be the third person, and he's been okay as that. Of course, he's not doing as well as most people thought, but he's doing okay, and I think the expectation is just a little high. If there's a person on the heat that could be, dare I say it, the X-Factor, who do you think <laughs> that could be? I, there's nothing more cliche than saying X-Factor, but... 
Who is the person on the Heat that could come out of nowhere, you think, and, and really make a difference in the series? Well, I talked about the point guard matchup earlier, uh, and you know, we of course you have old reliable Ray Allen. We think he should be able to. He had a good game in, for, in game in game one as far as shooting goes. I think it comes down to that point guard position. They need somebody to handle the basketball to get everybody ready, get everybody into the game. Norris Cole's shown some flashes this season, but I think it comes to be Mario Chalmers as your X factor. He wasn't out there at the end of the game. If he's out there at the end of the game going forward, I think there's a possibility that he becomes that X factor, allowing them big shots and allowing them at least another option on the offense because when he's good, he is good. Well, we have our expert on the Miami Heat joining us on the line. Let's go out to WQAM's John Renshaw, the freak from Miami. John, I saw on Twitter your view. Are you on a lake somewhere, man? I'm jealous. It's called the Intercoastal Waterway. Now, you guys have cool shit in Boston, too. Oops, I just, I just cussed. My fault. Yeah, yeah nope. Stump that if you have to. You guys are on Blog Talk Radio. Though. I wanted to give you, a, I did, I wanted to give you some confidence. I did some time on Blog Talk Radio, and I, I think it's a good way to potentially lead to uh, bigger things. Let me know if the wind gets too much. This is the first day it has not rained in ten days. This is the first day where I've seen sun, so I had to, I had to tweet you those pictures. Did you also tweet me my? Um, did you also the, see the thoughts I tweeted you on the Orioles and Len Bias? Oh. Oh, I did, man. Len Bias, man. Yeah. Uh, love Lenny. Love Lenny. I, I remember so the night. I know, you, uh, I know you guys only got me till 30 after, and you can have me as long as you want. That's what she said. So I don't <laughs> want to interrupt you. If you want to get the, if you want to knock the finals out first, we'll do that. And if we have time, we'll get the Bias and the Birds and the Sox and the Patriots and the Dolphins. I mean, you guys, you and I have a lot of wars. The one thing we have in common is I was a Celtics fan from like age five until about 87, 88, and then it just died. And I haven't had a favorite NBA team since. Um, but let's talk about game two. What you guys got? I, I just got to believe that LeBron is going to do one of his dominating type games like he did in game six one last way, year. Against one the way Celtics or the other. Start. Yeah. One way or the other, exactly. He's going he's gonna to take over one way or the other, right? I, absolutely. I, I think this is going to be LeBron's game. There's... No question in my mind that he takes over, John, because he has to take over. He has to take over. Yeah, and the Heat have to get over. The Heat have to get over this inferiority complex that it's wrong to let him take over. They are so hell bent on this bullcrap, first time ever used offense they built, and they don't just want to win. They want to win within the framework of this ooh, positionless basketball we built. You know. Nothing against the heat and stuff, but they're being a little stubborn, man. I mean, you know back in the day, even before Michael, you give it to Larry. Um, but when they gave it to Michael, because I, I grew up during that whole entire era, I'm 45, so I was, I'm from ha- – Havlicek was my first favorite player ever, by the way, in the NBA. Johnny, Johnny, Havlicek Hondo. and JoJo White. Johnny, I'm 47 Havlicek years old. Havlicek and JoJo White. That's and then right, ML Carr grew up with ML Carr. We went to basketball camp four years in a row, and I was like his – um, little five-year-old tag-along for four years in a row. He is probably the nicest man I ever met. And when ML Carr used to wave that white towel on the freaking uh, um, bench, I just loved it, man. You don't see players like that anymore, do you? And he was a great defensive player, too, but you're so right. You don't see players like that on the bench, so enthusiastic and, and cheering for their teammates. I think the game has changed a lot, John. I'm Like I said, yeah. I'm your age. For better and worse. And you and I go back, you know, you and I go way, way back to the days of we're, – we're both Dolphin fans. So we go back to the days of Don Shula and, and, and Bob Greasy and the Zonk and Paul Warfield. So, dude, I was at the Sea of Hands game. You just mentioned my second and third favorite Dolphins in order. One is, is uh, Marino and then basically tied for second or Zonka and Warfield. I probably have to go Zonka 2, Warfield 3, but go ahead. Well, no, I just I, – I go back with you, and I've been following you for that long because you and I kind of have that, that following, that love, that, that passion. Kindred spirit, that kindred, yeah, that kindred a, spirit, a, yeah. Absolutely, and, and we're still waiting for that Super Bowl. We're still waiting. It's well, been that you know long. what? You know what I've learned is in my 45 years is two things. Your parents are always right, um, and two, you never need math. And so that's all bull crap in high school. One, your parents are always right about what you should have done. Two – Math is bullcrap. And three, people take success for granted. 
you know, um, whether it's a Pat fan, a Heat fan, or me. You know, I, I grew up a Dolphin, an Oriole, and a Terrapin fan, and I was born in 68. So, you know, I started watching sports seriously when I'm like, you guys, six, seven, and eight. I start to get it because obviously that's going to be my path of my, of my job. So I'm a little smarter than your normal six-year-old when it comes to sports. And my dad brainwashed me. All three of my teams were at their peak. So I was spoiled into thinking, you know, that it was always going to be win, 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 win. You know, I always used to tell my friends, imagine if I was born a Detroit Lion fan, for example, you know, or whatever, a Clipper fan, <laughs> Jeez Louise, or a St. Louis Cardinal <laughs> fan. Right. So I just feel so lucky. I feel so lucky we were born winning team fans. But I've also realized that, man, especially now with free agency and one and done crap, you really need to celebrate any level of success and stop taking crap for granted no matter when you're in. Because you guys are now going to be, the Celtics are going to be in turnaround mode here soon. But, you know, I'll stop talking. But the one thing I've learned is, man, accept, um, accept and celebrate success. Don't, don't take it for granted because it could be gone. Because my Orioles and Dolphins literally stopped playing in the year 2000 or 99. And then they started last year, the Orioles gave us all hope. And this year, the Dolphins bring in 22 new players. So even if they suck, at least they tried to bring in new, new that, stuff. You know what I mean? That, that's right. We're, we're, we're speaking with Johnny Renshaw, the freak from WK, uh, QAM 560 uh, in Miami. Uh, John, you do the 10 a.m. show at WQAM. Is that right yeah. down in Miami? Okay, Monday so what's the fan? I have to ask you, why does the fan base down there panic every time the Heat lose a game? Um, for two reasons. One, there's a lot of pressure on the Heat fan because they've, they've built this inferiority complex against the world. So if it's the Heat fan against the world, you could make the argument the world started the fight or you can make the argument Miami started the fight. I think it's a mix of two. Nobody likes winners. There's no gray area between the Yankees or Notre Dame or Ohio State, you know, or Saban, Belichick. You know, you like or hate. Same thing with everything Miami. Except I think the Dolphins are kind of different. And the Hurricanes also have their own rep. Um, most of America um, hates Miami because of the decision. They've gotten past that because LeBron seems to have really, and I wasn't even really a LeBron fan, but I guess he seems to have turned into a thoughtful, you know, young man who has grown into his skin and who is not, he gives nice long interviews, he's not some prima donna, and he passes the ball. I mean, he's not a ball hog. He's not a ball hog to a fault. But the reason they're panicking is if they brought in the big three. So it's, it's going to be, you know, as Sick as this world is, it's dog eat dog. If you go to the NBA Finals three years in a row with the big three, but you only win one, you know, Sacramento would take that in, in, in two shakes of a lamb's tail. But since you did this whole big three crap, um, it's a failure, as sick as that sounds. And they're panicked because San Antonio's damn good, brother. And and John, this is uh, Stats Adam Lowenstein here, and and Stop just that. talking about how you doing. It's great speaking with you, and uh, <laughs> I, I can't wait for you to answer this question. This actually sure. is an interesting comparison to the Celtics, and and they had the big three era, which you know, of course, it's still up in the air what really they can call it anymore. But one championship and three, and two makes to the two, two finals appearances, almost three. You can almost say three. But it's an almost similar situation over a few more years. But, of course, the injuries and the age hurt the Celtics. But you can actually compare it. One championship, you, totally you would say, is actually it. – Yeah. It's not, it's not as exact. Levels. Yeah. You can compare it on several levels. And to be honest, well, you already had Pierce. So, so let's compare the acquiring of the big three, first of all. Yes. So you had Pierce, so your Pierce is their Wade. Then you mm -hmm. brought in Garnett and Allen – but you can bring it in in some stupid celebration freak show. And I don't and I, I don't even have my game notes in front of me. I don't know how many years it was between Garnett and Allen. How many years was that? As far as acquiring them? Or bringing Garnett first, game. right? Garnett first, and then how it many years for Allen? It was, it was right after. It was, it was but that you summer. Don't, you, you, didn't do no, you didn't do no stupid TV broadcast, no. right? You didn't know. I think that's right. the re is that, is that the reason 
why one championship is kind of a success for Boston in this, as opposed to one championship being a, a um, failure? Boston, Boston is paying the price that New York paid um, in the uh, Jordan era, plus you're, you're also battling old man time. Um, yeah. You're in the Miami era right now, so you're screwed. And I tell you <laughs> what, though, I tell you what, man, you're screwed and you're old. It's done. You've got to rebuild your team or, or, or there's trouble. I love Jeff Green. I don't know why. I tell you what, it's, it's a question I want to bring up here on the radio, but I haven't had time. Everyone down here hates Rondo. I hate Kentucky because college basketball is my favorite sport. But I love Rondo, but they hate him down here, man. Wow. Well, he is, he is that little rascal that kind of moves around. Yeah. I'm sure Miami was happy to see him go down early this year because they didn't have to so worry about him. So he's a player, whether he's on your team, you love him. But Vice, yeah. But if he's on, yeah. Anderson Barrio syndrome. The guy puts up triple doubles like you and I drink two beers. I mean, it's done. It's over. <laughs> it's sick. I don't, I don't see what there is to dislike about him. But so Miami is scared because they don't want to blow it because Skip Bayless and all those other – Horrible men that have ruined sports. Thank we'll you, John. Them. Thank you. Yes. yes. I call it first mistake, not first take. They will talk for three months about Miami losing, and thank God football will get us out of that. It will become, it'll take on a life of its own. And, and those horrible people that have changed ESPN, from ESPN only does two good things now, three good things, three good things. They show games which is number one. Their 30 for 30s are untouchable, and then maybe two sports centers a day, and that's it. Everything else on that damn network has become a freaking joke. But uh, like the top ten? You know, <laughs> what's that? No top, no top ten? I feel like sports center is like a melodrama, but I like the top ten at the end. Top ten is not bad at all. You are correct. It's, unless John Anderson turns it into a stand-up comedy act. <laughs> Right. And he's hey, do you remember Zoniak there, Zoni, Lindy Zoniak, Lindsay Zoniak, they're kissing his ass. You know, so John, John, John Anderson into this dry hero. John, John, do you remember? Do you remember when Sports Center was literally George Grand at a desk with a pencil well, and George, some paper? George Grand, one of the first, and uh, went on to call the Reds games. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, he left. He was one of. Remember him and Gail Gardner? Oh yeah, yeah, and she went on to call some and, baseball too. Correct, and then Steiner left at the height. Of, is that his name Charlie Steiner? Yeah, yeah. He, he left. Saw, I think he, height, he left at the height of the sports center career to call Mets games, I believe. I think he did the um, Jets too. I'm gonna call baseball, dude. Who are we talking about? You know, he went to the Dodgers. Dodgers. Oh, okay. Dodgers Radio. Vince okay. Scully, who was the greatest man ever to walk the earth. Vince Scully. Um, can you believe he is still that old? Well, not just I, I old. Just challenge. John, John not as old, so talented too. Still, that's what I mean, I'm I saying. I define your listeners. I define your I define your listeners to take three hours of the uh, three hours out of the day next week and just listen to one of his games, maybe even just two innings. He's still all alone in the booth. He's plus seventy, and he's still the best. It, and he's going uh, to die soon. So you need to listen. Yeah. You need to yeah, listen. I'm just and, the younger boy. John, your boy Johnny Most was the best. Um. You know, I picked the Heat in seven guys, and uh, but I, I, you know, I admit it on air, it's a toss up. And the only real reason I give it to the Heat in seven is home court advantage. And I'm a firm believer that home court advantage really only matters in one game, game seven. I think home court advantage the rest of the way is a joke. People are going to win when they have to win. The NBA is so predictable. The team that loses always plays better the next game. Um, obviously, the big story here is what if, just what if, because you always want to draw the doomsday scenario, what if San Antonio wins tonight, dude, and they go three in a row on the Riverwalk? There's no way the Heat win two games in San Antonio. There's no way. I tell you what, it'd be a great day of radio, but it would be a horrible day of radio at the same time, um, because debating whether they could do it or not, but it would also mean, I agree with you guys, I mean, you're looking at a what? A ten percent chance of pulling that off, maybe even less. Right, they, they, but they lost. They were one of the best home teams in the league. They lost six games during the regular season at home. Well, that's but when you know what time. all these LeBron, Michael Jordan arguments need to need need to come yep. to fruition. Nothing against LeBron, but I'm sorry, he's still not Michael yet. But today's all about adjustments. Game one, they double teamed LeBron 
hard. And he hit the three-point shooters. Not to oversimplify, those guys got a hit. They're wide open. But the biggest secret story of the game is the Spurs writers were shocked because evidently they make many more threes than they usually missed. Leonard was 0 for 4. I think they shot 7 or 23. That's great Um, luck. So that's another thing to watch. And the third thing is I feel for all those, like, uh, old men, like, you know, our dads or whatever, who haven't watched the Spurs for four years, and they just naturally assume the Spurs were going to be the same slow, fundamental, dump it into Duncan. Now they are the exact copycat of the Heat, except here's my worry for the Heat. The Heat have no Tim Duncan, and the Heat have no Tony Parker. They have one LeBron. What I was going to say, I was going to say, John, what does it say when Bergman Anderson has outplayed, outplayed Chris Bosh, who's been such <laughs> well, a non-factor? Chris Bosh is the most volatile um, subject down here. Um, you could, I bet. You can make the phones ring almost every day for four hours straight on Bosh. You know, and just when you're about to write him off the pasture, Bosh is going to nail six in a row from the elbow. But what everybody's freaking out about down here is he's taking them from three instead of the mid-range. But here's the other thing they're freaking out on. He was brought in as a stretch five in this positionless basketball. And, with, and, then, and the purpose of that is to open the lane for Wade and LeBron. Wade, obviously, is so hurt. He's, he's playing, I would say, 75 to 80%. For the first three quarters in game one, he was a star. In game four, he completely – in quarter four, he disappeared in game one. So the first three quarters, he looked just like he did game seven. So I have no idea what to expect each night for him, and he's really the the big question mark here. Because I, I figure if Dwayne Wade was 100%, that we'd still be in for an all-time game seven. But I feel a little bit stronger about my my pick on, uh, on Heat in seven. But um, – I tell you, Birdman Anderson, and I forget the question. What was your question on Birdman Anderson? Well, I was just saying, what does it say that Birdman Anderson has outplayed Chris Bosh? I mean, who would have thought? There's a guy that Ah. Chris Anderson that wasn't even on the damn team for most of the season. How much does this bother you? Let me ask you. Okay, you're a center. You agreed to become the number three person, so you... You took a big – that's very rare in the year 2010, whenever they signed him. He agreed to go from number one all-star in Toronto to number three. So I'll give him a lot of credit there. I think that mentally sometimes throughout the year comes and goes like silently. He'll be like, man, really? I'm this good, but I'm only getting this many looks. And I think throughout the year that takes um, over an 82-game set. It it really affects him. It's human nature. You look around and you're like, man, I used to get these shots. Now I'm not getting any. But the biggest problem with Bosch is he won't take anybody off the dribble. And my best example is Akeem Olajuwon and Tim Duncan. They showed Tim Duncan shoot a jumper in the game one, which was elbow extended. And they said that's what's kept Duncan's career alive two more years. Because um, he he's good for the bank shot and he's good for the baseline. But now he's free throw line extended over to the wing. And they said, and then he goes, that's the one that's kept him alive for two more years. That means he spent every freaking day in the summer, just like Jordan and Olajuwon. Olajuwon's baseline jumper at the end of his career for the last five years was just as deadly as a point-blank slam dunk. It was sick. And that only comes from working in the summer. You're telling me, Bosh, it's okay, cool. He's, he's a two-guard trapped in a, in a, in a five, a six-foot-ten body. We understand that. That crap happens in life. But you're telling me when LeBron pops a three that he can at least crash the boards and maybe just tip, a sh- just tip a rebound to keep another possession alive? That's what infuriates me. Is That's, it possible that it's his third banana feel? Maybe that he, since he's not the man like he was in Toronto, he doesn't crash have that feel. The board. Crash the board. Crash the board. If I'm Pat yeah. Wiley, who's supposedly this genius, he's in my office. I'm in his face, and I'm saying, look. <laughs> You can yeah. shoot as many jumpers as you want, buddy. But yeah. when someone else, when Chalmers shoots one of those rips from three, as soon as the ball goes up, I know you don't like the bang, but you've got to run in there and at least yeah. give a six 
cheapies a game. Six cheap points, two more rebounds, and maybe a tip, and that's, that could be the difference in the game. He made one spin move in game one, if you remember. It was almost as good as Parker's spin move, and Parker's <laughs> God. That but, was, uh, yes. And Parker's wild, Parker's wild they'll win. Um, I still picked the Heat in seven, but the Heat couldn't stop Nate Robinson. The Heat couldn't start two. The Heat had two problems <laughs> all year long. No, they couldn't stop big men, and they couldn't stop point guards. And now they're playing the best point guard and the smartest big men. And any of those running hooks out of uh, Tiago Leitner, Tiago Splitter, uh, any nice. of those running hooks are, are bonus, bonus nice. points. If he can get eight running hooks. Um, so it's, uh, it's going to be a tough road for the Heat, and tonight's game is fascinating. Uh, they, they look tired. They look like very old, tired, and hurt in game one. That's because they just came off game seven, and I think a lot of us forget about the human nature. You come off a of game seven, it's a natural freaking letdown. The other teams had nine days to practice doubling LeBron. So uh, we'll see what happens tonight, man. It's going to be fresh. You're listening to the Celtics Beat with Ty Ray and Stats Adam being joined today by WQAM in Miami, personality himself, Johnny Renshaw, the freak. And, John, thanks for being so generous with your time yeah. today. This is your second go-round in the Miami market. I think you worked yeah. in there in the 2000s, early 2000s. Isn't that right? Good call. 20 years radio, 11 different stations, second time in Miami. Um, I was How here was on market? JC. I was going to ask, that market changed? Yeah, yeah. It has changed dramatically, but it is still not your um, – it's not Boston. It's not New York. It's not St. Louis. Um, but they're a lot smarter. They're a lot more engaged. They know how to play the game now. But this is what I miss. In Boston or in New York, if you go on the air and if you just mention, can you believe that he threw three balls last night in the seventh inning and they didn't pull him? You've got 15 phone lines lit, and Miami's not there yet. Um, but you know what? This this run to the Dolphins Super Bowl that I'm guaranteeing, I think I'm going to bring us back, baby. <laughs> you really think Ryan Tannehill is the man? Well, Ryan Tannehill plus 107 new players. Yeah, that's true. It's a completely different organization <laughs> takeover. And they had to. It's going to be like a college about... team. It's going to be like a freaking college team trying to memorize the numbers. You know what's sad, John, is you know, you're talking about football legends in that town, and Bob Greasy, and I don't mean to turn this into a Miami Dolphins Shula. talk show. But Shula, Don Shula, class, dignity, Did you see everything. my reaction today? Did you see my reaction today on Twitter to that stupid poll John Clayton tweeted? No, I didn't see that. I didn't see that, John. John Clayton tweeted when I was at Starbucks two hours before our show today that ESPN is doing their all-time like 10 to 1, and today they released number 3. And number three was Don freaking Shula. How and is I that possible? I, I answered with this. I said, one, you make me sick to my stomach, and I say, boom, here we go. One, he won, uh, he won Super Bowls in four different decades. Two, he went to Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. Four, he's the all-time winningest coach in the most famous sport in America, and no one knows it. Five, there's no trophy named after him. And six, he won with class and elegance, and that's a perfect season that no one's done in fucking any other sport. Perfect and season. He, and I, then I wrote, he, then I wrote, and I'll, I'll shut up, he is America's most secretive, best-kept national treasure, and he's going to die one day, and all these ass-munch broadcasters who have, yeah. who have ignored him the last 10 years, they're going to put together these features on him, and they're going to kiss his ass. Where were they when he was alive, and he deserved a hell of a lot more than he's getting. Yeah, yeah, and and I wish he had gone out better in Miami too, for that matter. Well, I, I really do. He made mistakes. He made two mistakes, and, and he's going to go to the grave with them. And he said this. Uh, he said the first one was he he'll go to the grave because he never gave Marino a running back, and I say he'll go to the grave because he let Tom Olivadotti coach the defense during the entire Jim Kelly era, and Olivadotti was the worst defensive coordinator I've ever seen in my life. So the, the most symbolic, John, John, the most symbolic film clip you'll ever see is Thurman Thomas in a playoff game running middle. over Tom Alvadotti. That's the most oh, symbolic film line? clip. Yeah, yeah, and he ran over oh, Tom Alvadotti. And you know what? I was at the game where, and I think it might have been preseason, where Thurman Thomas, this is, this is how weird sports has become, and I'll let you guys go. Thurman <laughs> Thomas signed with, Thurman Thomas signed with the Dolphins when I was here in 
it was in my in my opinion, Thurman Thomas and the Buffalo Bills have caused me more pain than any other team in sports except for the Yankees and North Carolina basketball. And to see Thurman Thomas, the man who destroyed Marino's legacy, played for the Dolphins, and he was doing really good, and he tore his knee up in a preseason game, and, and it was almost like Columbus, like, you're not supposed to play for the Dolphins, dude. You're a Dolphin killer. Yeah, but yeah, now I that remember you, that. now that you have a picture of him running over Olivetti, I might become the biggest Thurman Thomas fan in the world. I might blow that thing up and put <laughs> in my uh, – because that man, Olivetti, is single-handedly responsible for the Dolphins and Dan Marino not going any farther. John, it has been so much fun talking to you today. We certainly well, let's hope do it again. Let's do it again, right? On the show, yeah, I, I'd love to. Yeah, so let's do it again. Somebody wants. We got a seven-game series, guys. So, if somebody wants to find your work and listen to you, John, where can they? I want to give you a shameless plug. Oh, I would say just go to the local prison and um, and start there. <laughs> nice. All right. As always, we'll thank you, you John Renshaw. You bet. That's John. Thank Renshaw. you, John. From God bless. W- from WQAM in Miami, and I got to tell you, that wow, wow, had no idea where we were going with that conversation near the end. There, I'm a huge Dolphins fan, by the I way. I can tell, wow. So everybody knows. Yep, a huge. The only Dolphins I know are the last place AFC AFC East bottom feeders when ah, the Patriots looking down on them. Hey, there was bad. a time. There was a time. Three straight Super Bowls in the '70s, Hall of Famers galore, and. Stats Adam, I remember whenever – let's bring this around to the Patriots. Remember the perfect season 2007 with the Pats, right? Yeah. Tom Brady, they lose to the Giants. The Dolphins did their perfect season, my friend, with Earl Morrill as quarterback, their backup quarterback because Greasy wow. got hurt in game four. So try Tom Brady going down and continuing perfection, and that's what the Miami Dolphins wow. did. And that's why they pop champagne every year <laughs> when the final unbeaten team – I would. Falls from the ranks. I would. People make fun of them, but it's a, it's a great record, and I don't think it's one that's going to be uh, beaten anytime soon. But let's do this, shall we, uh, with, uh, with the time we've got. Let's go to a break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little NBA draft. It's Ty Ray, Stats Adam, on the Celtics beat. Hey, this is Mike Fay from Mike T. Just reminding you about all of the great stuff we have right here on clnsradio.com. Even though the Celtics may be in the offseason, our Celtics postgame show will be back in better than ever when the boys in green take the parquet again. And until then, stay with CLNS for outstanding coverage of the Red Sox and Paw Sox, plus we still have our outstanding weekly shows. Tuesday night at 7.30, it's the Boston Sports Connection, hosted by CLNS content manager Sean Backey. One hit away from perfect game, and he was dealing on Saturday. On Wednesday, Brian Langford brings you the evening score at 8. I always tell you, I'm not scared to go into it. I'll go completely into it. And tune in Thursday nights at 9 for NBA for Life with Pat and AWOL. The Pacers win games when they go inside to David West and Roy Hibbert. Don't forget you can call into our live shows at 347-215-7771. And if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. And there are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com. Hi, everyone. It's Ty Ray from King of the Court and the Celtics postgame show. clnsradio.com is rapidly expanding and you can be a part of it all. Join the CLNS radio community today. Register as a CLNS member. When you join, you'll get your very own blog page and profile. And signing up is so easy, you can even use your Facebook page to do it. While you're at it, text CLNS fans to 22828 to join our e-updates community. That's CLNS fans, one word, to 22828. And don't forget, you can always chat and become a part of the conversation on our message board. That's at clnsradio.com backslash forum. CLNS Radio is getting bigger and better every day, and we want you to be right there with us. Celticsblog.com. Blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors, Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web. Celtics Blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. 
And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD post-game show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at CelticsBlog.com. This is Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you are listening to ELNS Radio. CLNSRadio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Celtics Beat. Ty Ray, Stats Adam on a Sunday. We just got done visiting with WQAM in Miami's John Renshaw. Never a dull moment, Stats. Where were we going with that conversation? Well, at one one point we were going into life lessons, which I I was very, I was enjoying because he seemed to bring up guys who, you know, were way before my time and are continuing like Vince Scully, who who have continued, and I, I still love listening to Vince Scully, and of course, I've only been alive for, you know, I just I just celebrated my 21st birthday a few, you know, about a week ago, and I, it's it's kind of crazy, but I, I love Vince Scully, I love listening to, to sports radio and stuff like that, I feel like an old, old guy, I love Grandy and Max, I actually listen to them with with the sound off, so just going into the old, the old times when when everything was different in sports and everything, and the over-coverage of today is just, uh, just an interesting feel, as far as everything with sports. I love nostalgia, and I love trivia and I love talking about the old times because it really is the old times that paved the way for today it it really is and if you get a chance Adam uh, as a diehard Dolphins fan here please go back and look at the 1970s Dolphins amazing absolutely amazing uh, that those teams that went to three straight Super Bowls and while we're talking about amazing teams they weren't that amazing this year in the Celtics they were amazing during the KG era and the question is to you Adam is the era now over in your opinion Oh, and, wow. I, I, yeah, that's, I, I wanted to take a, like, a lighthearted look at it, but I guess that's a very... That's pretty heavy cut. stuff. Pretty heavy stuff. Right before I wanted to go into that, I did want to say, why don't they name the NFL Coach of the Year trophy after Don Shula? I think he's won it the most times. I think he won it four times. I think there was one tie in there, but you know, he's won it the most out of any coach. Bill Belichick, I think, has one behind him. But why don't they just call it the Don Shula trophy? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, and the scary thing for me is we're getting further and further away from his time in the NFL, which I think he retired after the 95 season and Jimmy Johnson. Who, don't even get me started on the Jimmy Johnson era in Miami. Don't even get me going on that. That, that would send us into into four more shows, right? Oh, I, yeah, and I'll have uh, I'll have an entire show myself devoted to Don Shula. because The man is just class. That's the other thing about him. He's just class. And you're so right, Adam. And and, and I hope at some point in time uh, the league gives him his due because he he deserves it. He just deserves it. Like I said, a perfect season with his backup quarterback. Yeah, that's, that, that's the, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Earl Morrill, who was a great who was a great quarterback in his own right, but not Bob Greasy, uh, took the team to a perfect season. But getting back to KG, yeah. have we seen the last of KG Garnett and even Doc Rivers on the bench? All right. So that's all right. As far as my answer to that question, of course it's speculation. We have absolutely no – we only have what the reports are out in the news and everything like that. And that's – my guess is Pierce is back because KG is back. And since KG has decided or most likely has reported, and he seems to be the closest back to the Celtics, I think Garnett or Pierce are tied at the hip, and they know something that Doc – it's just I think they're all trying to communicate without having it to go into the, into the media. And as far as I can tell, with the, the reports about Kevin Garnett, it seems that most likely Pierce will not be traded. He's going to be remaining as a Celtic. And as far as I can tell, there is no way to reconstruct this contract. I have no idea what's going on as far as that goes. Maybe just the money is just how it works, and they could do the $5 million buyout, or they have to pay him the over $10 million for this year. I guess that's just what's going to happen, and they'll go for one more year and try to pass the baton for one more year, and they'll be the big three of Kevin Garnett, Doc Rivers, and Ball Pierce once again. And I think, I think stats, that makes the most sense. Uh-huh. If you're going to field a competitive team, and I've said this repeatedly too, you know, Wick Grosbeck, the owner, he's a businessman, and he wants butts in the TD Garden seats. And the yeah. way to guarantee that next season is to have a farewell tour with Pierce and Garnett and Doc one more time, and you get a healthy Rondo back, you get a healthy Sullinger, you get improved play from Jeff Green, who I think is going to have a breakout year next year. I hate to put more pressure on the kid. <laughs> I really do. I, 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 oh, think oh, he, definitely. I think he was terrific this year. Terrific. And so 
this team can still can still play much better than it did this year. So, I, and maybe they catch lightning in a bottle and have one more amazing run, and then we go off into the sunset. That's my dream. What's really interesting is they have the pieces to become a franchise or a, a, a yeah, I can't say a dynasty, but but a team that can, can, can consistently compete for middle of the pack playoff positions, four or five positions every year with the core that they have, and that's Rondo, that's Sullinger, that's Jeff Green. These guys have the potential to put together with Avery Bradley in that starting lineup, and maybe, of course, we don't know about Fab Mello, but they have Brandon Bass. That that five that five man group is a solid starting lineup. Of course, they would have to bring in, and they'd have a lot of cap room if there is no Kevin Garnett or Paul Pierce in the future. But adding Kevin Garnett and Pierce into that mix, and then having the the extra pieces to move around, and we'll see about Jason Terry. We'll see about Courtney Lee. And of course, Courtney Lee seems like a breakout candidate next year, and Jordan Crawford seems like a guy that can really contribute off the bench. They have a lot of pieces that. Riding off into the sunset might just be for a year or two. They might just be able to hang out in the uh, the bottom bottom of the east for a little bit. You're, you're so right, Adam. I, I never understood all this gloom and doom, yeah. e- even yeah. if Pierce and Garnett were to leave. I really like the nucleus of this young team. I really do, and that's why the idea of blowing it up is unthinkable. There's nothing to blow up. There, you can't blow it up. The guys that they have, even if Garnett or Pierce were to, or Garnett and Pierce were to leave, are very capable of, I think, being a 500 club, at least oh, being oh. an average club, being an and eight seed or a seven spot. seed. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and, and let me tell you something. As a guy who saw basketball greatness become irrelevant in the Boston Celtics, <laughs> I'll take a seventh and eighth seed because there was a time being a Celtic fan was like being in basketball abyss, watching this once proud franchise turn into nothing. You couldn't even see them on national television. So, no, I am not a fan of letting this team just go for the sake of rebuilding through the draft, which, by the way, is a huge risk anyway. Huge. You've got to get very, very lucky to rebuild through the draft. People say that the Thunder did it the right way. There is no right way, and there's only the lucky way through the draft. You have to get a Durant. You get an Odin. You get even... You know, the Harden situation, you end up falling into a troubling situation because of how the cap works. You can't get too many great guys or you won't be able to keep all of them. It seems like you have to get really lucky. And the reason why the Thunder are the model franchise, I guess, through the draft is because they got Durant. And you can't say that. People are people think that they did this. Of course, they're a well-run organization and they've done a good job, except for, except you know, it turns out the Harden deal might be their, their, their detriment. But it really is. You have to get lucky in the draft and have to really speculate and know what can fit your team, and you have to have a great coach to be able to bring them up and to mold them like Popovich does with guys like Danny Green, who they were able to get the scrap heap uh, from Cleveland. And they're able to do these things like Kawhi Leonard and understand where they can get these trades, send off George Hill, which ended up being a good move for both teams. So the Celtics, they hit and miss with their draft picks. But for the most part recently, we've seen some good draft picks. Jared Sullinger. People yeah. doubt at that pick. I think he's going to be a, a terrific player. He was, he was a great player, great That's player. But right before he got, absolutely, right before he got hurt last year, putting up what? I know he averaged, what, six and six? But really, right when he was at his peak, I think averaging almost, I want to say almost a double-double sometimes. Um, I think the best days are ahead for him, and his back is going to be fully, uh, fully healthy, and, and he's going to be a solid addition and, and a starter. There's no doubt in my mind he'll be a starter uh, for years to come for that team. So looking ahead to the draft, and we didn't get a chance to touch on this very much, Adam, would you rather see the Celtics get a point guard or a big man? I, I've always leaned big man because it's, there's such a dearth of large men in the basketball world. It's, it's crazy how this league has turned from a big man's league to a point guard's league to a positional positionless league where LeBron James is going to play every position on the floor and most players can do that. Jeff Green's going to play 2 to 5 on this team it seems like with the with the current structure that they have. And there are guys out there that that people are projecting for the Celtics with small men, but I think you have to go with maybe a big guy, hopefully Steven Adams might fall. I've seen a few from names Pittsburgh, like that. Right. Yeah, and I've seen a few names like him. I think I've seen a, a Rudy Gobert, uh, who I think is from France, or, or right. uh, he's, he's somewhere international. And, and you know, with big size, but 
and, and I think you you know Kelly Olnick, and and he has short arms, so I just don't know if that's the but, way to go. And Danny Ainge doesn't like that. Here's my problem though: yeah. when you mention Adams and, and Gobert, is yeah. I don't want another project, man. So raw. We, we've got Fab Mello. <laughs> Yeah, we don't even know. We don't need another Ugh. project. We don't need Ugh. two lumbering big men who get yeah. lost in the rotation. Uh, I like Olenek a lot. I like Olenek a lot, and it's because I, I've seen him play a lot, and that's because I'm here in the Northwest, and I get to see Gonzaga play a whole lot. But here's a guy that's smart, can spread the floor, uh, comes from a good family. I think that's important. Uh I, I agree with you as far as being able to bang and rebound. That concerns yeah. me. But I really like the idea of having a big guy that can shoot. Uh, that excites me. To be able to draw, that would really, I think, help with the rebound. To be able to pull, uh, pull the opposition out of the key to make him defend, to make the opposition defend on the on the perimeter. So, so to have a big man that can shoot, I, I think, would be just great for the Celtics. I really don't want a project. Do we really? Uh, we got Fab Mello. That's We've got point. Fab Mello, and, that. you know, is the guy destined to spend eternity in Maine? I don't know. <laughs> but I'd like to see what the Celtics have with him and give him some playing time. It's it's a situation where I understand where you're coming in with, with Olnick, where, where if, if Fab Mello ends up contributing as maybe a bench center, you want somebody else. You want somebody who's doing something different. And and what Olnick can do is maybe, you know, you can't say he's like Kevin Garnett, but maybe like Grateful Friends, where with that shot, maybe he's drawing the defense out, and maybe he can rebound a little bit, help the team. Right. And he's got the size, and he comes from a good school. He knows what he's doing. He comes from a good system out at Gonzaga, and they are definitely – one of my favorite teams to watch. I just the only games I saw of him were the NCAA games where he he shied away from the from the spotlight. It looked ugly. And and he did play against better competition. Okay, no question yeah, in the NCAA is, yeah. a tournament, the West Coast Conference. Ugh. Remember when Gonzaga ended up being ranked number one? A lot of people didn't <laughs> think they were worthy of that, and and I think that really? proved to be true. Uh, in the NCAA tournament. However, let's not downplay how well that they've played consistently over the years. Gonzaga is a basketball factory that does crank out smart players. Did crank out a guy by the name of John Stockton, who at last check is an NBA Hall of Famer and one of the best point guards of all time. So I I like the idea of Olenek in in Boston, but we'll see. He may not be there uh, at 16. And the Celtics, just so you know, don't have a second-round pick. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have that. yeah they don't have a second round pick either. So it'll be really interesting the direction they move in. And you know Danny's looking overseas. My God, the guy signed three guys from China this season. <laughs> so they're looking under every rock in every country. I guarantee you that, Adam. And a weird thing we were talking about the Miami Heat. They have no picks in this draft. So you can see where they're going with their with their sights. Uh, more veterans to to piece on to the big three this next year. With you know, in my opinion, still might be their last year together. I, I agree. I, I agree. And I know Ray's had a very nice series so far. Well, game one anyway, and he had a nice, <laughs> what, game seven against the, he, the Pacers. Been, we've seen last year's performances, though. You know, of course, we're, we're complimenting his, his bright spots, but when you're a fan of a team like we were with the, like we are with the Celtics, we saw what happened, him breaking down. He's doing the same thing this post. He is. He's just finding his way off the bench, where I think he's – you wouldn't say he's he's a little bit more of a spotlighted player or was with the Celtics, and I think he was he's a little bit under the radar with the Heat right now. Maybe it's that difference because they don't need him as much. You're yeah. right, as the Celtics did, and, and how hard is it to watch a class act like Shane Battier play as poorly as he's playing? <laughs> he's not even getting playing time. It's it's going to Miami and, and, and just laughing at, at, at a guy who who, cho- who chose the championship and being able to enjoy the 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 failure of a team that we root so hard against. Yeah, yeah, it is. And Adam, we're going to wrap this up uh, for this Sunday. It has been a joy uh, hosting the Celtics beat with you. We were able to get some draft conversation uh, in, which we wanted to do in the first place. But how much fun was it talking to John Renshaw from WQAM in Miami? We could have probably talked to him for hours. He could have done the whole show by himself for five hours. Yes. I think. I could see him having a one-man show. <laughs> yeah, no question. No question. But I hope to have him back on, certainly during the series, and he was open to the idea. Definitely, and I hope we will be able to host another show together. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for pushing all the buttons, being in control, and it was a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, it's always fun hosting with you, and uh, let's uh, let's do it again soon. So for Stats Adam, our lucky numbers guy, Adam Lowenstein, Ty Ray, you've been listening to the Celtics Beat. Enjoy your Sunday, everybody.